You are listening to The Bible Breakthrough with Pastor David Engman and Scott Brecky. In this study, we will break down the Bible from B.C. to A.D. chronologically while offering historical context and real-life application for today. This series is brought to you by the Breakthrough Media Network. Hi, my name is Pastor Dave Engman, and this is my co-host, Scott Brecky. He is sitting in here with us, as he always is, and we are excited for this next episode. Welcome to the Bible Breakthrough. We want to thank you Mm -hmm. for joining us. Ultimately, our goal, of course, is to lead you into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus. Yeah, so we're going to try something a little different today. And we're interested in your feedback. So please be sure to comment on the change. So typically we conduct a bonus uh, video to this episode and we discuss various topics that come up because of the scripture. But today we will cover that in this episode. All right. So in the last episode, we read Genesis 7, 1 through 24. And we learned about the flood that covered the earth. Scripture that we're going to cover today is Genesis 8, 1 through 22, and we're going to learn about the receding flood and the new covenant. The questions that you should be asking yourself as you listen are, what does this mean and how can I apply what I'm learning in my life? Yeah, so before we open and read the Bible, let's pray. Lord, in your word, it says to teach this to people. So help me and Dave, Lord, and help our audience to open their ears to be able to hear, Lord, and open their minds to understand and their hearts to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right. All right, so let's open up and read the Bible. Uh, Today we're going to read the passage out of Genesis. It's going to be Genesis 8, 1 through 22. Yep. All right. All right. You there? Say amen when you're there. (laughs) All right, chapter 8, verse 1 through 22. Amen. Okay. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. The underground waters stopped flowing, and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped. So the floodwaters gradually receded from the earth. After 150 days, exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Two and a half months later, as the waters continued to go down, other mountain peaks became visible. After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. This time it did not come back. 
Noah was now 601 years old. On the first day of the new year, ten and a half months after the flood began, the flood waters had almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Leave the boat, all of you, you and your wife, and your sons and their wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, so they can be fruitful and multiply through, throughout the earth. So Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives left the boat. And all the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat, pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offering the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. The Word of God. All right. All right, so Pastor, give me the facts of the Scripture. Well, up until this point, of course, uh, what we see is that God is willing to contend for man for a long time. Mm -hmm. But we also know that he won't contend forever. Right. Uh, he'll pour out his wrath, but he will not pour out his wrath for, uh, forever either. At this point, we can see that the consequences of his wrath, uh, as the world is in laying in ruins, and now what we see is the earth is made new mm -hmm. uh, by the recess of the waters and the appearing of the dry land. Uh, now, really for a second time, uh, we see God doing something new with the earth. And so we see this in verse uh, 1 and 2. What do we see? We see in verses 1 and 2 the increase of the waters. And then in verse 3, we see that the waters begin to recede. And then after 16 days of receding, the ark comes to a rest. After 60 days uh, of receding, the tops of the mountains begin to appear above the water. And then after 40 days of receding, uh, and 20 days before the mountains actually appeared, Noah began to send out these spies, as I like to call them, the spies, like Joshua sent out the spies into the promised land. Noah was sending out his version of the spies. He sent out a raven, and he sent out a dove. Mm -hmm. And um, basically their job was to gain intelligence and bring back information. Yep. Two months after the appearing of the tops of the mountains, we see that the waters had gone and the face of the earth was dry though it would be another two months before man could actually walk on the water. Uh, I mean, walk on the dry land. Mm -hmm. And then... Walk on the water, like Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well then man placed, uh, man placed uh, upon the new earth. God told him to come out. Yeah. He came out. Mm -hmm. um, and then we see that Noah dispatched, uh, again, or discharged, uh, or sent out and departed the animals from the ark. Um, 
the Noah's uh, sacrifice of praise to the Lord, which he offered to God, was in verse 20. And then we finally see God's acceptance of this sacrifice and how God responded to that sacrifice, that he was pleased by it, and then made that promise that he would not drown out the world ever again. Mm -hmm. Thus, um, the length, at length, the mercy and mercy rejoices against judgment. That's what I wrote down mm -hmm. uh, in regards to the facts. Scott, did you see any other facts that I didn't mention there? This is what I love about, so I, I do have my own facts here, but this is what I love about just being with other believers because especially someone who, how long have you been a believer for? Um, close to 20 years as a born okay. again believer. I, yep. mean, I, I think I believed most most of my life, but really nope. until I had my encounter with God about almost 20 years ago. Okay, so I would say that I'm around seven years. Uh -huh. So when I see... You know, I ask you the question, what are the facts? And you go into all this depth. I just go, wow. That just shows me, you know, a mature a mature man of God, just how much you pull out of it. So it helps me to learn because I'm going to read through my facts and they're pretty, they're pretty, uh, sure. they're pretty simple. Yeah. But like we had talked about, a lot of times our audience, we're, it's all over the place. I mean, we have people that are brand new that are, that are listening or watching, and then maybe people who have been in the Word for many years. So these are just my six facts. So first fact is that God remembers Noah. Mm -hmm. The second one is the flood begins to recede and the ark rests on Mount Ararat, which is our modern-day Turkey. Third is uh, Noah uses birds to see the, what the condition the earth is like. He sends them out. You have said the little spies to see what's going on and then bring it back. And four... Noah, his family, and the animals leave the ark. Uh, and five, Noah builds an altar and makes a sacrifice to the Lord. And then six, God makes a promise to all mankind. Hmm. So th those are those are kind of my my facts. Are there any like key points that you know stand out to you, or what are what are your key points? Well, you know the facts are the facts, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, at least this is what I've come to learn. I'm going to look at something, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to say that appears according to what I'm reading to be the facts. And then from that, I work to try and discern what I would say are key points. And so the key points that I see here, number one, what we're seeing is the pinnacle of God's wrath uh, subside as the waters begin to recede. Mm -hmm. and when I think about the pinnacle of God's wrath, we know that God made a promise here that he would never do it again. Yeah. That he would never do, he would never destroy Earth by a flood ever again. Um, and so, what other event in all of history was as significant as the event of the flood that happened as a result of man's disobedience and forgetfulness, forgetting God? Right. Yeah. So, to me, this is a key point. We see the pinnacle of God's wrath. Mm. subsiding as the waters begin to recede. Number two, my second key point, um, humanity is saved through the obedience of one man. And I say that humanity because it was because of Noah's obedience that his family mm -hmm. was saved. That was eight people. But there was only one mention that was righteous. 
and that was Noah. Prior to Noah, there was only one other right. mentioned as righteous, and that was Enoch. And he didn't have to die. God took him, right? We already, we already talked about yeah. So we see that humanity is saved through the obedience of one man. Uh, another point here is uh, Noah sends out the spies on the new earth. And we'll talk more about that in our discussion. Mm-hmm. Noah leaving the place of safety. That's another key point. You know, here Noah had spent with his family almost 100 years or so uh, building this, this amazing ark. And of course, mm-hmm. he lived. Right, and we know he was 500 years old, roughly, when, according to the word, when he started this. So 100 additional years, he's in a place of safety, building this ark, and now he's about to leave this place of safety um, and have to depend and trust and be trusting God's faithfulness. And then I noticed Noah building uh, an altar uh, of sacrifice. This is a definite key point, and I think, and, and, and you and I had kind of talked about this in the past, you know, if, if this uh, piece of scripture that we've read here today would ha- would be like a meal, mm-hmm. I, I personally feel as though um, everything leading up to Noah building this altar and then sacrificing, everything prior to that is like the appetizers and the salad. But I sense this to be like the steak and potatoes. This is like the main <laughs> course. Yeah. Noah building this altar uh, of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that because I also recognize in my final point um, that God accepts this sacrifice and is pleased by it. Mm-hmm. And because God's accepting and pleased by this sacrifice, he makes this new covenant, mm-hmm. this new So those were my key points, Scott. What about you? Did you have uh, a few others? Yeah, I just I just like that God remembers Noah. Of course, I put myself a lot of times in these positions of, all right, if I'm called by God to build this ark, and now I'm on there with my family, and and what stood out to me was, you know, He really just he God told me what to do, how to do it, but then He never told me like in this case and of uh, the scenario is he never told me when the waters were going to go down or how long that was going to take. So, but, but God was remembering him and then the waters became, uh, started to go down. So God remembering Noah, um, he didn't forget about him. Um, God doesn't forget any of us. So, um, God remembering Noah is a key point for me. Um, and then also on that same aspect, almost of like, you know, God, God knows, everything that's good for us to know. So I think when he does not give us certain things, I think that's for our benefit. So he only tells us what's necessary for us to know. And he also, which is good, he doesn't tell us what we don't know, don't need to know. Because I think sometimes if we know almost too much, then that's just not good for us. So God ultimately knows that. Um, And then um, I'd like to talk more about the birds because that just seemed like almost like he was testing he wasn't sure so it was like it was his form way of like testing of okay when am i supposed to get off out of here i haven't heard anything from god what am i supposed to do you know so he's like sending out these birds so that's one we'll dive deeper into and then of course like you said the sacrifice to the lord um this was something new and uh 
that was the that was the fourth one so sacrificing to the lord i think okay. we'll go we'll go deeper into those so all right so um here's that so when we're reading the scriptures what we're seeing is uh, what god wants us to see he's he's revealing things mm -hmm. to us so the revelation if you will that god has given to us is the revelation that human beings are bent toward evil from youth. What are the implications, from your perspective, Scott, what are the implications of this revelation for us? That we're bent towards youth? Or, I mean, we're bent towards evil from youth? Yeah. What are the implications of that revelation? What are the implications to us? Well, that... that um, I just think of the verse that comes to mind is that we're like, we're born sinful people. So the implications of it is that God's wrath is poured out on us because of that very reason. But then I love that we see the nature of God, that he's always going to save those who are righteous. So yes, um, all our, all our evil from the beginning, we see that even if my, even, even, you know, I have kids and we've all maybe even heard this many times. I've heard this even in other pastors, right? You have the two kids who are arguing over this toy or something like that. And, and, um, and one of the, one of the kids ends up hitting them and, and we're just like, we're sinful or they take something that they know they're not supposed to take or they do something. You can see that from a very early age. Even I have children that we are bent towards evil. And I just think that there's, um, there's obviously consequences, just like in that, that story of the two kids fighting over something, there's consequences to our actions. So, um, okay, so let me say, let me, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, what are the implications of this revelation for God? That he's going to do something? I mean, I, I guess I don't know. So God's making, God's revealing a, a fact that human beings are bent toward evil from you. Right. The implications of that are that a holy God now has a whole bunch of kids that aren't holy. Mm -hmm. He's got a few, a couple that we know of that are that are righteous. Yeah. The rest of them aren't. And there are some implications for God there. He can't be in the presence of evil. Mm -hmm. He didn't create us so that we would spend eternity burning in lake fire in hell. That no. wasn't his intention for anybody. No. His intention of creating us was to give us free will so that we would choose to love him mm -hmm. and want to be with him. And now he is in a precarious position as God. Mm-hmm. As we read, and, and that's what I see, as we read, God's in this precarious position, and there has something has to be done. He's given us lifespan, mm -hmm. 900 years essentially on average, and he's watching all of these people live that 900 years, and they're not getting closer to God. They're not farther. They're going farther away from him. So the implication here is something must be done. So here's the question that I'd like to throw out. Does the does this mean that human beings can ever be good enough without God? Can we ever be good enough or do 
enough good on our own to ever be able to be in his presence, the presence of a holy God? Yeah, the answer is no. We can't. We can't work our way to it. There's nothing that we can do if we are truly, from the beginning, bent towards evil. Mm-hmm. So I think that God is about to do something or does something about that for us. Right. Maybe that's what I was supposed to think about that. Yeah. No, I agree with you. You know, the, the, uh, the inclination seems to affect the relationship God has with us, mm-hmm. human beings, in this story. And so I think that's what we're seeing played out. The implications of what's going on mm-hmm. and the inclination of God to do something about it. Because at this stage of the game, it's not looking real good. So he just sees us as, as people who have fallen away from God. And because we've done that, he has to do something, right? He wants to do something. He doesn't want us to be stuck in that for our li- our entire life. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, and, and so that's the, that's the reality of what I think we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the story of the flood, is God's like, I, I, I've got plenty of time for them. I've given them plenty of time, but I also know that the 900 years, if they haven't, if they haven't started to want to turn back to me by then, the chances <laughs> never, are they never will. It's never going to happen. Yeah. So God is showing us that there is a limit to how much time. Of course, mm-hmm. we talked about that in previous episodes. You know, he's like, that's yeah. it. Nice. I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them 125 years, or 120 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's all I'm going to give them because you know, uh, and I'm going to tell them that, and he does tell us that. Mm-hmm. Um, then he has to do something about it, mm-hmm. and he gives us a fresh, uh, you know, fresh start. So, yeah. So uh, you got a question you want to? Yeah, sure. I'll lay one on you. All right, so verse 1 says um, that God had remembered Noah. Does that mean that, yeah, that God had remembered Noah. So in that, does that mean that he had forgot forgot about Noah for a time? Like, does does God, like, does God not remember someone? I mean, why does it say that he remembered him? Did he forget about him for that time or, or, um, yeah. Does God forget people? Does God forget that he, oh, it's just it's like, oh, uh, oh, that's right, Noah. You know, he comes back to Noah. So. Yeah. Because um, what, what? But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock which were on the boat. And he sent a wind to blow across the earth. And the flood waters began to recede. So. Because obviously you didn't forget about him. I mean, it's God here. <laughs> you know, he didn't like, oh, that's right. I forgot my, my uh, that guy, that righteous guy, Noah. I forgot about him. And I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, this is speculation. Okay. I, I think what God is saying, but we can, we can say things in a different way. It might mean one thing if you read it one way, but if you, if you read it a different way, Different tone inflection and so forth, it can mean something else, you know. Mm-hmm. But God remembered. But God remembered Noah. He let, in other words, God never forgets. And 
Yeah. But God remembered Noah and all these wild animals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, God doesn't forget. First of all, you know, let's <laughs> establish this. God is perfect. Yeah. There is never an instance in which God hasn't been absolutely right, absolutely perfect. So, of course, God didn't forget Noah. I think he's showing us that, you know, but, God rem- but I remember my son. Yeah, yeah. 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 No. Uh, Good answer. So, <laughs> so what, what's interesting here is that, you know, we really don't have, because it picks up right there. We, we really don't have a record of God speaking to Noah while he's on that boat. Do yeah. we, at this point? No, he's just, he's just doing what God told him to do. I'm right. sitting in there taking care of his family and taking care of those animals. and Right, so with no record of God speaking to Noah during that year yeah. or so that they were adrift, do you ever wonder if Noah or his family felt kind of like abandoned? Is yeah. that yes? Right, and yes. maybe that's where your question about God remembering right. him yeah. comes. Maybe that's the stem of it. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. So who hasn't? Who hasn't felt like at least some point of their life like, man, oh, just not hearing something, or I'm just not getting it, or what's going on, Lord? Are you really there? Mm-hmm. And that's part of the waiting process. And it's tough. I mean, it's 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 actually very tough. It's speaking to me right now. Like, you know, but what helps me is to to remind myself of what God's told me, because what God tells you is going to happen. Yeah. And that's what, you know, remember, you know, God had previous told Noah that, you know, he's the one that's, you know, going to be saved, his family, and then through him, um, he's made this promise to him. So, um, and what about you? Well, I think I was thinking about how, you know, God could have just said, and, you know, everyone would have gone, and no one in his family could have been there, and the animals would have been there, and right? Yeah, yeah. Just he could have just done it all without this flood. Yeah. Um, you know, the flood represents something significant that we don't really get to see until later on. You know, when Jesus eventually comes on the scene, mm-hmm. right, what happens is, is he gets into that river, he tells John Baptist, you got to baptize me. Right. I'm like, why? Right. You got to baptize me. No, no, you got to do this. Yep. And what does he do? He puts him under the water. Under the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then and, and, and going under the water represents death. Mm. And then when Jesus comes out of the water, it rep- it, even the I know that people that are listening can't see this, but it, I'm taking my arm and I'm just kind of at a horizontal plane, you know. Jesus goes under the water now horizontal, mm-hmm. and then I'm raising my hand back up, which is a it represents new life. Yeah, raising. You know, yep. raising something from the dead. Yeah, yep. water is a part of it. Mm-hmm. Water is signified in this case as representing death. Doesn't it right. represent death in this scripture? It does. So water yeah. comes and it kills. Drowns everybody. everybody and everything yep. that was breathing air mm-hmm. had died. And, you know, it doesn't, this is a big earth. I mean, it takes a while to flood it and it takes a while to drain it. <laughs> it's a huge earth. And so... It's a lot like life. 
takes a while to, you know, it's hard to come into the world. It takes a while to learn and live, and then it takes, you know, and then it's hard to die. And it's the same, I mean, so there's all these metaphors you can draw against. And I'm not, I'm not going to go down that path too far. because It lends itself to a lot of speculation. But yeah. I, I see the significance of water here. And I also see the significance of, of, of Noah, like us, having to be patient. Yeah. And having to learn to trust God. Um, even if God isn't speaking to us, if God said he was going to do something, we can see enough now to yeah. know that he's going to fulfill whatever it was he said he was going to do. And we get to see the story at the end when God does that. Mm -hmm. why, why do you think that, I don't have this on here, but like, why do you think that God didn't tell him? I mean, in his instruction of building the ark, getting on the boat, animals coming and stuff, why didn't he say, hey, and then in... What it was, what how many days it was? Um, yeah, 150 it, it, days. I know. I'm telling you, Noah, 150 days. Okay, I want you to I want you to uh, let you know that it's going to start to recede, and then that will take a little while, and then and then get off, then get off. Yeah, for the same reason, he doesn't appear to us right now, and just stand here and talk to us. Faith has everything to do with faith. <laughs> okay, yeah, I like that. You need it. You need you know, faith. That's that's what we live. Right. In. Right. It's the world we live in. And mm -hmm. Noah needed to develop that faith over that year. And God took that time to strengthen his faith. Yeah. It was a test. We're always being tested by God. And for the reason of our development, our character development, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and, and I think, too, waiting that year and, and seeing the, the waters you know, start to recede and stuff, and then when God spoke and said, get off the boat, it, I think he, it made it even more clear for him. To go through that waiting, developing that character, and then maybe even um, for me, like in the waiting area, it's helping me recognize God's voice even stronger. Mm -hmm. To know that that if that didn't take place, I, it just helps me to to recognize God's voice a little bit better. In that having to go through that waiting, and then when it when it comes, you're like, that's it. I'm getting off the boat. <laughs> so. Well, and think about God. For a minute. It took Noah a hundred years to build that ark. Mm -hmm. You gotta imagine God's like, come on, Noah. <laughs> this hey. shouldn't take a hundred years. <laughs> right, right? right. But God was patient with Noah. Sure. And now Noah needed to be patient with God. Mm -hmm. Got any other questions? Um, let's see. Well, do you want to move into the sacrifice? Let's jump into that. So, um, you know, it talks about the sacrifice. He built an altar, puts the animals that are made for that purpose, slaughters them, and then basically lights it on fire, and this this uh, smell is going up towards heaven. But, you know, I just wrote down like, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah. You know, this is what I think an altar would look like back in the day, right? They they put stones. I didn't do research in this, but they put stones up and make it a, a certain size, and then they put the wood on, then the animal, and then they light that thing on fire. You know, I'm just not gonna do that today. So, mm -hmm. what is something that's more of a modern day sacrifice that we do to the Lord or we give to the Lord? Because. I mean, we talk about sacrifice and, you know, I just, I, I don't know. Like this is so old to me, right? 
the, the, the old covenant part. So what is something that we sacrifice to God? And actually have that if you don't have anything for it. Well, I do, but if you'd like to go ahead and... Well, go ahead. I asked the question. So, so what's a modern day sacrifice that we give to God? Our life. Amen. And that's exactly where I was going. I mean, we, we are um, literally sacrificing death mm -hmm. for new life. Mm -hmm. When we receive the gift that was given to us. That's my answer. Yeah. And this is the verse that, I mean, you hit it right on the head. Romans 12, 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, mm -hmm. the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. Mm. So the way that we live our lives, right? The we we give our life to the Lord because of what he's already done for us. I mean, we live our life because, you know, that scripture, I can't remember the address, but, you know, we love him because he first loved us. Right. He did it. He did, all, he did it all. So. All right. So let's go back on that topic. Of sacrifice. sacrifice. Let's yeah. go back on this. Let's just mm -hmm. think about this. Does the act of sacrifice take on a different meaning after the flood? And before I ask you to actually answer that, I just want to set it up by saying this, you know, I don't, and up until this point, we don't read about sacrifice. Yeah. Sacrificing animals. Animals, yep. Okay. And, and in our very next episode, we'll talk about a little bit more specifically um, uh, God saying, now you guys can start eating some animals. Okay. So we yep. don't see sacrifice up until this point of animals, of living things. Yep, yep. People ate vegetables. Mm -hmm. That's what they they were all vegetarians yep. right, until yep. this point. So does the act of sacrifice take on a different meaning after the flood? What that question would suggest is another question. What were the sacrifices before the flood? Mm. And was there any, any kind, anything? What was the sacrifice? Even like before, like, are you specifically? From, from, from Adam to up to Noah. Were there any animal sacrifices or well, we any type? No, I'm not saying we know there wasn't any. Animal. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so what were the sacrifices to God if it wasn't animals and burning them and so forth? Were there any sacrifices prior? I don't know. It doesn't say, does it? Right. That's my point. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So I don't now, know. With that being the case. With this question, is the act of sacrifice take on a different meaning after the flood? How did Noah even know what to do in terms of sacrifice? We see that God told him to take seven pairs yeah. of animals that would be um, approved, if you will, or so suitable, that, yep. would be the word, for eating mm -hmm. And sacrifice. Now right. we don't know if he ate those animals, do we, on on the ark? No. But we do know what it says here is after the they exited, what is the first thing that happens? He sacrifices. He builds an altar and right. he sacrifices mm -hmm. and burns these sacrifices that create this aroma. Mm -hmm. So is the statement is it a statement? Or a suggestion of what God desires, or what Noah understands 
God to desire? Hmm. Is it a statement or a suggestion? In other words, did God tell him to do it or did Noah just come up with it? I think Noah just did it. I think he recognized that, man, God saved me. So now I'm going to sacrifice. It wasn't like, I mean, it doesn't say in here, I don't know, it doesn't say that God told him to now sacrifice. It right. just, he just did it. He just did it because, I mean, because he felt as if he should do that. So we don't see God telling Noah to no. do this. No, yet he does. Although he did say that these animals are going to be for sacrifice, sacrifice, right? Didn't you tell know, you either. how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So this must be Noah understanding God's desire for that sacrifice and his desire to want to please God. And when he does it, we see it, it does. does. Yeah. Oh. And it was then at that point where we see God said he was pleased. Mm hmm. Pleased. <laughs> He's pleased. Right? He said, he was. I'm pleased. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, let me see, where is that verse? Um, it's towards the end. It's like 20, 20, uh, I think it's 19 or 20. Then, yeah, it's 20. Then, 20? Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose mm -hmm. and the and the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself I will never again curse the ground because of the human race even though everything that has been like before it is bent toward evil from childhood I will never again destroy them it was then that we get because Noah sacrificed something in this case, the animals. Mm -hmm. God was pleased. And God, therefore, made the new covenant. Mm -hmm. The new covenant. Right? Mm -hmm. So, do you think it was, okay, so go, going back to the actual aroma of, I mean, just imagine this, right? You got these, um, the, the dead animals and the birds that are on that altar, and he basically lights them on fire. And this this smell is coming. I generally wouldn't think. To me, that would be a great smelling. I mean, that just was. I'd be like, oh, that is terrible. Like that to me doesn't seem like something that you know that you would do. Like I'd think of taking something, anything, but besides the the animals and lighting them on fire, you know. So, so was it the actual? smell of that 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 pleased God or was it the act of Noah doing this that pleased God like the act of him appreciating or coming to God and and making that sacrifice the act of him doing it was that what that was pleased or was it actually the aroma of the nasty <laughs> animals being being burned up first of all I don't know that they were nasty <laughs> okay. And when I when I walk into a steakhouse, <laughs> I'm telling you that's a pleasing aroma. Well, yeah, if you look at it that way, but, I suppose. But to to answer that, at least from my perspective, what I think is, you know, the aroma was a, a an effect of the sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it was something that 
that did please God, that it, it was did. a sacrifice. So what what so here's the question. Does the sacrifice express anything else besides gratitude? Noah did it. Mm-hmm. He did it because he was expressing gratitude because he just spent a year on a boat. He probably seen dead bodies floating everywhere. Right. Probably saw you know big sharks eating them. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows that? But his family was spared as, as his as he was, and so he gets out of the boat finally, and he's like, "My first thing is build that altar, sacrifices." Mm-hmm. As in an ex, and it really was an expression of gratitude. Yeah. So, but was there anything else besides gratitude that it expressed? Well, obedience. Because, I mean, God said that he was going to sacrifice these certain animals. So, um, yeah, obedience is what I think. Is there, what, was there something else you were thinking? No, other than no that? I was just curious. I mean, okay. you know, these are, these are the things that make me wonder, right? Miracles, signs, and wonders. Right? <laughs> I wonder about these things. And yeah. these, are the, these are the types of questions that, that when they come to my mind, Mm-hmm. I ponder, or I uh, uh, meditate on. I, I they, you know. Then I start doing a little research in the Bible. I start digging deeper. You know, and, and what I've learned is is that we never seem to get all the answers. Only we seem to get a lot more questions. We always get a lot more questions that come. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, in in in. In the eight in chapter, I mean, in the twenty-first verse, God says, um, "And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice, and He said to Himself." And to me, I'm just wondering, you know, why does God, or why might God speak silently to Himself, and why would God feel that's important for us to see? Yeah. So, what do you think about that? Why did God talk to Himself? <laughs> Well, when you first asked me this question before we we uh, we got into this, I had no idea. You made the point of it being able to relate with our own ways that how we function and how we think. Because haven't we all been in that position of thinking to myself? Like, you know, we, how many days do we do that? How, how many times do we do that in a day? We think to ourselves. Oh, I should slow down. I'm speeding. Oh, I should. I'm hungry. Oh, I should this. Oh, I should that. Oh, I should this. So it's a more of a, a relatability, I guess, to know that, well, according to this scripture, it does, it does make me think of other questions, but God says to himself. So, hmm, God says to himself, well, man, I, I think of, I think things to myself quite a bit. So I'm again. It's just confirming we are like God we're in that made, fact. We're made in God's image. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so we get to see that God, <laughs> what we experience all the time. Yeah. God is saying, "Look, it's a reminder." I think part of it is the fact that it's a reminder. The other part, I think, is is it shows us mm-hmm. the heart of the Father. Yeah. Right. Like when you read that. Um, yep. You can't help but notice how that entire flood affected him. Mm-hmm. 
he, he didn't create humans to destroy them. No. And, the, and, and, and really, we, we know that it was sin and the consequences of sin that destroys human beings. Mm-hmm. And this really shows us the heart of our Father. He's like, you know, he knew there was another way. Without sacrificing our free will, he mm-hmm. knew there was another way. Mm-hmm. And he was preparing us for the other way, the only other way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I, I want to say, like, before you go on, like, that you you found that, like, you know, when I read through this a couple different times, I never picked that up. But when you picked it up, it just speaks to, you know, when, when this may be for our audience, like when you're reading through the Bible, those are those little highlights that I think are really neat because you wouldn't generally go to, you know, Genesis 8 verse 21, the last part, and he said to himself and preach or teach about that. Mm-hmm. But you even can because those are the little little things that you can pick up in God's word and he can start to show you. And I think it's great because you picked up on it. And then guess what? Now I'm seeing it. So I'm learning from it as well. So it's just a way that, that, you know, a lot of times we'll read a big chunk of a story, but sometimes it can be a, a sentence in the Bible, or in this case, it can actually be just one word or a few words, right? He said to himself, which I think is just so neat about the Bible because we know that what we read is living and active. I mean, there's no other book that's like this. Right. And, and here's the thing that, you know, God doesn't hide things from us yeah. in the Bible. Yep. He hides things for us. Mm-hmm. And when we are invested in the Father, in presence, in His presence, like when we invest our time to want and desire to be in His presence, both in prayer and in study, God's like, okay, I can't wait to show you this. <laughs> I can't wait to show you Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where, you know, the greatest scholars, um, the greatest philosophers of humanity of all time have tried to get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. And you can't. They couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it, um, there's so much gold in them hills right mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in the Bible, you know, and we get to go mine it. Yeah. And we enjoy doing it. At least I right. enjoy doing yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I do. Well, should we move on to application or you want, you got a few no, other I things? Want to, I want to talk about some uh, something else okay. here. Right. Um, I want what to talk got? about the parallels that I see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, between Noah and Jesus. Yeah. You know, we're at a certain point where we haven't, obviously, we're at the beginning, we haven't got to Jesus yet in the Bible. But, mm-hmm. um, I've seen some incredible parallels. I just thought we would kind of go over over some of them, the ones that, that kind of stood out to me. So I noticed that, that Noah and Jesus both were preachers of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't see Jesus, I mean Noah here, preaching right first of all jesus wasn't even here yet and he wasn't preaching jesus <laughs> but we know enoch was a man of righteousness mm-hmm. we know noah was a man of righteousness and because of the righteousness 
we know that God saved them. Mm -hmm. And we know that Jesus eventually, when we get to this um, dispensation period of, of Christ, we know when Jesus comes, Jesus is righteous. And we are saved because of the sacrifice that he made. And because of that sacrifice, we are made righteous by right. the blood that covers us, right? Yeah. So they were both, in, in essence, preachers of righteousness. And in both men, uh, Jesus taught righteousness comes through his sacrifice. And through it, we will enter heaven. And Noah taught righteousness in order to save people. And in this case, from the big flood, he saved his family. Right. And then um, another parallel walk, both men, both Noah and Jesus walked faithfully with God. Noah walked faithfully and found favor in the sight of the Lord. Jesus only did what he saw his father do, and he walked faithfully. Both men walked faithfully with God. And this third point, this is one of those two that, I don't know, I, salvation of the family came as a result of the righteousness of, in this case, Noah and, and eventually Jesus. In other words, God saved Noah's family from the flood due to his righteousness, and that's in Genesis 7, 1. Mm -hmm. And anyone who believed in Jesus Christ is considered family thus being saved from the wrath of God, Matthew 12, 50, yep. Ephesians 1, 5, John 3, 36. Both Noah and Jesus had family. Do you see any, any parallels between Noah and Jesus? Well, I mean, both were uh, both were blameless in God's sight. You know, um, both Noah and, and Jesus. Um, basically, I mean, they're they're blameless in God's sight. So both are blameless. Um, there's also um, I like the I like the idea of they both had flocks. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, obviously, he referred to of as the the the, the children of Israel as a uh, sheepfold, you know. So, and then of course um, Noah had his flock, his family. So both uh, flocks um, of animals, <laughs> right? Flocks of animals. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, those are just a few. Um, both established a new covenant. God used both of them to establish a new covenant. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. God established a new covenant through Noah by making that promise. He'd never flood the earth again. Yep. He gave us the rainbow as a, a sign. sign to remember that he would never do that. And then yep. God established a new covenant through Jesus. Um, the promise that anyone who truly believes in him, follows him, will have eternal life. And so, hmm. both were humiliated by their own people. By their, you know, Noah was humiliated by his own son. Which we haven't got to yet, but yeah. Um, and in, and then in the people that were coming by him, right? Yeah, when he's building the, the accusations. Yeah. <laughs> Never That's rained right. before. You're nuts. I can. I can't. I can't even imagine yeah. being in that position. And then Christ with you know, um, spit on, beaten, ridiculed, called calls names. And I don't know, but maybe you would know this. But even when Christ went to the cross. I, I want to say he was, you know, they they generally, when you see him in the movies, they got like that little robe on his on his uh, midsection to cover his private areas. But 
Do you think Christ was humiliated even in the worst way of him being nailed to the cross naked? Because that's what I've heard that before, but I mean, I could I could see that as well. Like if you were, because remember he took on the like the worst of the worst, the sin of the world. I mean, that would almost make sense that he was even humiliated in that way. So do you think Christ was? I don't know. No? Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something that came in. Uh, both men, both men had uh, something to do with doves. doves. <laughs> you you had a you had doves yeah. too, right? Yeah, actually, yeah, we both have stories. I had a dove, or a couple of them, white, nope. pure white doves. They were just they just come and yep. at my house almost every morning. And uh, right before I sold our house in twenty uh, uh, September October of twenty twenty. We had a white dove show up sure. at our house for a couple of weeks. I'm like, what the heck's with the white dove? So, yeah. so we know that Jesus, uh, that Noah sent out the dove, the back, and yep. didn't, and then Jesus sent. Uh, of course, Jesus when he was baptized, right, mm -hmm. and then the Holy Spirit uh, came upon him in the form of a dove, dove oh. um, descended from heaven. Um, yeah. So I mean, those. Those were some of the things that I, that at least I write. There's a lot more. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I, these. Are, this is what's so fun about it. You know, know. get into the word. Yeah. So uh, finally, I think what we should do is just um, discuss the application element here because mm -hmm. we always like to say, mm -hmm. "What is the good of having knowledge if you don't do something about it?" Yeah. Right? No, that's my. That's my so, thing. Do you ever wonder if you're good enough? Mm. you ever wonder if you're good enough? And that's the question, at least from application perspective, I'm asking, you know, what has this taught you about whether or not you're good enough? Mm. We talked about that earlier here in this segment. So um, can you ever do enough good? Can you ever be good enough? And what we learned was this. God said every human being is inclined to evil. At a very, you know, from their childhood. Yeah. Um, so, no, we are never able to be good enough, which means that we need that sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. To help us cover us. Mm -hmm. And then um, one of the things for me was, you know, the, the question of, you know, do you feel forgotten by God? Because he hasn't. <laughs> you know, you may feel that way, but he hasn't just like he remembered Noah, he'll remember you. And then the last thing for me, the the application part for me, this is what drove home, was the timing of everything for for Noah. So I just wrote this thing, you know, he didn't leave the ark until he until God told him. Mm -hmm. It was 150 days and then the and then the ark was resting on the mountain. Another two and a half months before other Peaks became visible. Forty days he released. Uh, Forty days later he released the dove and the um, the raven. Seven days after that uh, he releases the dove without nothing. Seven days later it comes back. Um, so just like you know, his his being patient, God's timing, waiting on God until God tells him clearly now is the time to get off. Because if you, I mean. Think if he would have gotten off at the wrong time, I mean, could have if he would have jumped off with the water was still there, it could have drowned. So, mm -hmm. 
just waiting in God's timing, timing is, is so important. Yeah. So, so how about you, our, our audience? What can you apply to your life? How is God speaking to you? And, you know, look, if you're struggling with any of these discussion topics, I just want you to know you're not alone. We all get to do it. It's wrestle. It's all wrestle. <laughs> Maybe yeah, yeah. Well, let's wrestle with this stuff. Yeah. You know, um, Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord and mm-hmm. didn't give up. And as yeah. a result, was, was you know, given the name Israel, mm-hmm. you know, by God. Um, and we know about how important Israel is to the Lord. So... Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people wrestle, a lot of people and, and let me just add, like, don't feel bad if you're wrestling. Don't feel like, oh, what am I doing wrong here? Sometimes the greatest increase or just the greatest way that you'll see something shift in your life happens during that time. Yeah, Who doesn't, right? Who doesn't? So We just want to encourage you to keep coming back. We want to thank you for being a part of this. Scott, thank you. Yeah, you know, I appreciate you fun. being a part of this. I appreciate you too. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you in our next meeting together in episode 10 as we discuss how God uh, repopulates the earth and then confirms this new covenant we've been talking about in our ongoing study of the greatest story ever told in this first era beginnings. I want to thank you and God bless you. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to The Bible Breakthrough with Pastor David Engman and Scott Brecky. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and will join us again for more of the Bible from B.C. to A.D. We are a volunteer-driven ministry and rely on you to help us get the word out to the world. Please like this podcast on Facebook, share it to your page, and continue to listen on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. This has been a broadcast of the Breakthrough Media Network.